Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceilings does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Happy Friday, everybody. Thank you so very much for tuning in once again. You know, we've been having a lot of new listeners checking out the show over the last week or so. And one of the reasons is that I've been going into uh, hyperdrive with, with the advertising. I There's a tendency during times of... Um, uncertainty or tumultuous times like the one we're going through right now where a lot of companies a lot of people they they tend to uh, pull back on everything because uh, they're worried about the future they're they're cutting their advertising budgets they're they're slashing their marketing uh, divisions and things like that and to me I see these hard times I see economic um, problems depressions, recessions, whatever we're going to end up in as an opportunity. And so while other, while I look around and I see other podcasts that they're, they're pulling back on their um, advertising, other companies are, are advertising a lot less now. And um, I, I see that as an opportunity and, and I'm putting the, the pedal to the metal. I am going all gas and no brakes because I want this show to blow up this year. And I, I think right now is the, is the perfect time for a podcast like this. And I've been getting some great feedback from a lot of new listeners. And, and I just got to say, if you're new to the show and, and you're enjoying it, to hear from you guys, to, to get the compliments, to like some people have hit me up on Twitter DMing me and just telling me how much they like the show and it, it really just means the world to me. I, I can't I can't express how awesome that feels to put so much work into something and you never really know what's what's gonna happen with it. you know it's just me in in my studio here talking into a microphone by myself for a couple hours a week. And, you know, you don't know if, if people are going to enjoy it or respond to it. And the, and the fact that you guys are getting something out of this, um, it, it, it just it really means a lot to me. So if you're I, if you're new and you're um, and you're enjoying the show, hit me up on Twitter, you know, share the show with your friends. Let's really let's really get this thing going this year let's blow this bitch up and let's get a movement together to start rolling back this government a little bit because they are man they're they're going gangbusters and we need to we need to slow this bitch down and i think one one of the best ways to do that is to start changing the minds of all of these people out here who are 
now getting a, a full dose of authoritarian government right upside the head. And they're, they're looking around trying to figure out, you know, where things went wrong, trying to blame Republicans or Democrats. And, and really, the, the problem is with government itself. And I've got some articles today that are going to illustrate just how incompetent they are on, on a massive scale. It, it really is unbelievable. It, it never gets old. And, and we're, fighting, we're fighting this battle on a lot of fronts. It's not just with the state. We're having problems with tech firms. These big tech firms are censoring people like me, people like you, podcasts, people who are trying to present alternative viewpoints, alternative media, alternative data that, that counters the, the, the mainstream media narrative or the government narrative or goes against the World Health Organization and the CDC guidelines and everything that our wise overlords in Washington have been telling us that 99% of the time they're wrong about. Well, we can't, we can't cross them. We can't go against them or we'll be censored on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter and things like that. So there, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of problems that we need to address as libertarians, and we're starting to see some encouraging signs from some b big players, people that have a lot of followers, that have a lot of influence, have finally had enough of all this bullshit. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today, too. But uh, first, just a, a couple of quick um, updates on the, on the show. Next week, I am getting out of Dodge for a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go to Michigan for... Sort of a long weekend. I'm going to do like a Thursday to a Sunday kind of thing. But I'm not going to have time to do... I usually do a, a show on Tuesday and a show on Friday. And what I what I think I'm going to end up doing is I'm, I'm going to have the usual show next Tuesday. And I'm going to pre-record one either uh, on Monday or... Yeah, probably Monday. I'll pre-record an episode that I'll drop on Friday. And then I'll be back on, um, hopefully on Tuesday, to, to do another new episode. I, I want to keep the episodes coming, but I, I'm just, uh, I'm not going to be in an environment that's conducive to podcasting. And it, it's time for a little break. I've been cooped up here in Chicago for far too long we're we're talking you know the first week of march i, I haven't really left my place for more than a, an evening and it's it's long past time for me to uh, get away from all of this and and enjoy myself a little bit so um that's gonna happen and i don't know what i'm gonna talk about yet <laughs> i'm gonna have to uh to figure out what i think would, would be uh, a good pre-recorded episode but what I'll, I'll come up with something great, no doubt, and um, I'm going to do whatever it takes to to keep all of you new listeners entertained, and you know I'm going to keep bringing the noise. You guys keep listening, keep sharing the show, keep um, contributing any way you can, and th this thing I, I think can really blow up, and nothing would really make me happier than to be a, a, a much bigger part of the liberty movement here in America. So, all right. What are we talking about today? Well, I just listened to Joe Biden was doing an interview and it's pretty unbelievable how irrelevant 
Joe Biden seems to be going into this election. I can't remember a time where the presumptive major, like one of the two major party nominees, just nobody really cares about. Nobody's passionate about him at all. Nobody's talking about him. The only time he gets mentioned in the media, well, the media really doesn't talk about it. If they can avoid it, him completely, they will, because he's such a gaffe machine that the less he actually talks, it might be better, which is maybe why we're not seeing much of him. I've never seen a candidate just so boring Joe Biden is so goddamn boring and, and just uninteresting. His tweets are like these sing-songy, beauty pageant answer, political platitudes. You know, these, these he just says nothing, and it's just this blatant virtue signaling that's so uh, just tired and banal, and uh, nobody cares. Nobody cares about this guy, and it's because he's so uninteresting. He'll, he'll say the dumbest shit that just like, it's so obvious, obviously pandering like, oh, like no, nobody should ever go without food. <laughs> it's like, okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, it's just, it really is like a, he, every tweet he has is like a, a, a retarded answer to a beauty pageant question, which you know, he actually might be, if he was in a beauty pageant contest, he might be the dumbest one there. Of all those dim bulbs that are in the beauty pageants, you know, he could give that uh, that one chick from, what was it, South Carolina or North Carolina with, uh, with the Iraq and the such as. He could give her a run for her money as the dumbest person in the pageant. But the only time his name comes up is when there's a scandal or when he says something really, really stupid. So the, the only other time that he was really making headlines was for you know, finger in that chick in some corridor 30 years ago. So he got an interview uh, from Mika Brzezinski for that, and I cover, I did a show on that. I played a lot of those clips. And now he, he just did this interview on this, uh, this black show. It was called Breakfast Club. I, I'd never heard of it. I don't know. I don't. I don't listen to a lot of these identity political shows. Identity politics really drive me crazy. I, I, I just absolutely hate the idea of uh, all this collectivist thinking where we're going to, you know, break people up into groups and, and give them, you know, special attention or they, they need certain rights because they're in this group or that group. That's not what rights are about. Rights are about the individual. And they talk about minorities, like the black community, they're a minority. The gay community, that's a minority. And so we need to give these, even women, which it's, it's I don't know how 51% of the population can somehow become a minority, but they've managed to include them in their minority outreach. And the idea that what rights are about is is um, making sure that m minorities are protected, their rights are protected more so than anybody else's, is, is just absolutely ridiculous. And it's wrong. The, the smallest minority is the individual, and it's about individual rights. You have God-given rights as an individual, not as a black person, not as a white person or a woman or as a gay person or a whatever. It doesn't matter what you are. 
Your rights are based on the fact that you are an individual human being, not part of some group that's gotten a special designation from our government. Anyway, he was doing this interview with uh, this black, uh, this black podcast show. I, I think it, it, it certainly seemed to be the theme was all about uh, the whole premise of the interview was, well, what are you going to do, Joe Biden, for the black community? Right. This is uh, the host keeps asking him these questions. Well, what are you going to do for us if we vote for you? What, what are you going to give black people in exchange for our vote? Because as you keep pointing out, we are the ones that get you elected. And if it weren't for the black vote, you wouldn't have gotten the nomination. And if it's not for the black vote, you're not going to beat Donald Trump. So what are you going to do for us? And, and why should we vote for you? What are we going to get for, for it? What's in it for us? And it really is amazing to me that we've just completely dropped any pretense of voting being anything other than pure bribery to get into power. Elections really are nothing more than, I forget who said this, but an advanced auction on the sale of stolen goods. That, that's all this is. This whole fucking thing. All we do is these, these power-hungry politicians get up there uh, behind a podium and, and they keep promising us stuff. Oh, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to give you that. If you vote for me, these are the things I'm going to do for you. And everybody has been conditioned to look for this from government. This is what they've done in, in our government schools. Surprise, surprise. They've taught everybody in the country that government is here to provide you with things. This is why we vote. We vote so that the government can do stuff for us. No, that's not how this works, okay? that's Government is not here to provide you with things. Government is not here to give us stuff, okay? Regardless of your skin color or your age or your gender or whatever other, you know, category you want to put yourself in. Government does not exist to give us stuff. For one thing, they can't. They can't do it. They have to steal it. Government doesn't have anything. Everything government has, it first has to take from somebody else. By definition, there is no way around that. None whatsoever. So, and that's why everything the government does is inherently evil and immoral and why I don't want them doing anything. Because whatever they're promising you, they have to take from me. Or whatever they're promising me, they have to take from somebody else. And I, I don't want a, a society to function that way. It's immoral. It's wrong. It, it's wrong to steal, even if you work for the government. Even if you put on some fancy suit and tie and you give yourself a, a, a nice title, senator, congressman, president, it doesn't matter. It's still wrong to take from people at the threat of violence and give to others. No, this cannot be the only way to organize a society. And that was never the intention, the original intention of America. Sure, other countries, their governments can have different roles than the United States government. But the whole idea here was that we have inalienable rights and we're creating this government to ensure that those rights aren't trampled upon. 
Now, I think we can all look around and realize that this was a, a complete failure, but that's what the experiment was. It was a radical idea that rights don't come from government. Government doesn't exist to give you things. We have these inalienable rights, and we're going to create this government that's going to protect those rights from being infringed and provide national security. That's it. That's all that it was ever supposed to be. And as you can see, we've uh, those chains that were supposed to bind the government down and all of these constitutional rules, they didn't work too well. So this whole, I mean, the whole interview was just infuriating for me to watch. And it's just so sad to watch people look to these, look to people like Joe Biden, of all people, like he's going to be your savior. What what can you do for us, Joe Biden? What are you going to do for us people? Like I, I mean, come on. Th this is insane. They can't do anything for you. Government cannot help you. And Biden keeps saying, come on, man. Look at my track record. Look at my track record. It, it, it shows you how much I care about the black community and how much I'm going to do for you. And I'm going to do this and, and this and give you that. If you vote for me, I'll do this for you. It's just open bribery. That's all this is. But, I mean, the track record, how's about we look at the track record of the black community since they started voting Democrat, since they started voting for more government, for bigger government, for these big government programs and all these handouts? Because they weren't always voting for this type of stuff. This, this goes back to FDR and the New Deal. That, that's when the the black community really started to vote for the Democrats. And that's when the Democrats really took on this, we're going to create government policies to give things to people, allegedly to help them out of poverty. But if you look at what's happened to the black community since 1940 or 1950, it's been an unmitigated disaster on every single level. They've spent trillions of dollars trying to uh, allegedly help black people get, get out of poverty, and the poverty level is exactly the same since Lyndon Johnson's Great Society and the War on Poverty. Nothing has changed in that regard. The, the, the level is exactly the same as where it was. And, you know, black teen youth unemployment used to be about on par with white teen unemployment before they started all of these programs to uh, supposedly help the black community. And now it's like twice what the average uh, white teen unemployment is. Twice that. It's in double, it's like 20 some odd percent uh, of black teens are unemployed. Uh, look at the family. Look at the, the number of uh, children born out of wedlock. And that doesn't just affect the, the black community, but these welfare programs uh, have uh, had a profound effect on the everybody being born out of wedlock. They, they've completely destroyed the family structure. Something like 70% of black babies are born out of wedlock. The, the numbers in the white community have, have skyrocketed as well. They're just not quite as high as, as those in the, the black community. It might be higher than that. The 70% might be an old number. Um, but they've done a, a tremendous job of destroying black families through these uh, perverse government incentives that date back to all of these uh, poverty programs that they put in place, supposedly to help them. If you just look on every front, the education system is failing black kids. 
they're, they're getting a terrible education in these inner city government schools. They can't get jobs. They can't get their foot on the economic job ladder because of the minimum wage pricing them out of the labor market. So they can never get that first job that allows them to get that second job. And they get trapped in these cycles of poverty, generations of, of poverty, just depend, completely dependent on the government for a, a monthly stipend. And it's just the, it's the saddest thing I've ever seen. It, it's evil what they've done. To, to black people in particular, but just to poor people in general, it's evil. It's pure evil. And I, I don't understand why more people in the black community do not see w the damage that's being done to them by depending on the government for these programs. I, I could see initially why, especially when you're going through the Great Depression, and then you have a politician come out and say, hey, you know, I'm going to give you this money. I'm going to give you this uh, this food program. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. I, I understand why they initially took it, but man, look at look at what it's done. Look at what it's done to poor people. It traps them in cycles of poverty and keeps them dependent on a subsistence living. The crumbs from the table, while they're getting rich off of this whole scheme. They're feasting on filet mignon and lobster and drinking champagne, flying on private jets, and you guys are sitting there looking to them for crumbs from that table in exchange for your vote. Your vote keeps them eating, uh, drinking champagne, eating caviar, and then they, they throw you peasants a, a few crumbs from the table while at the same time telling you that you're not good enough to get ahead, that you live in an institutionally racist society that's going to keep you down no matter what, and that's why you have to look to them to give you more of those crumbs. And that, that is just the most evil thing I can imagine to do to people, short of killing them or something like that. I mean, they're, they're throwing them in prison. They're throwing them in cages by the, by the millions. But, man, what a destructive message. And it's all so that they can stay in power, so that they can maintain that lifestyle at your expense. And every year, it's the same thing. And generations of people have had their, their lives ruined trying to be dependent on these government programs, thinking that this is going to really help them. And it doesn't. It destroys them. It absolutely destroys them emotionally. It traps them in, in these these prisons of dependency where they, they don't think that they can achieve more. It, it's so depressing to see people looking to government to solve their problems. They, they Just stop doing it, please. It, you're so much better than this. You don't have to look to Joe Biden to steal from somebody and give you some of the crumbs, the stuff that he doesn't keep for all of his buddies, all of his uh, politically connected buddies. I mean, if you think you can rely on the government to provide you with things, think again. They, they, can't, they can promise you everything under the sun, and they will. They will, they have, they will continue to, but they will never deliver. They never have, and they never will. They will only be successful in stealing from you, 
stealing from me, stealing from the common man, and giving all of those riches to the big money players, the banks, the fat cats on Wall Street, the lobbyists, the politically connected, the people that actually get them elected, the ones that funnel the money into their campaigns. It's all about the money for them. And those people, the ones that have the the political clout, they're going to be the ones to reap all of the benefits from you voting for these politicians. That's what happens every time. And just look at what they did with the bailout money. All, All these bailout packages every single time. If you need further proof, look who the money's going to. This, what we just went through on the first round of the stimulus package the $2 trillion, and now Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats want a $3 trillion package. I, that's probably not going to pass, but some version of it will. And these are the biggest wealth transfers from the poor to the rich that the world has ever seen. And it's always going to be that way. It's always going to be the opposite of what they promise you. The Democratic message, the Joe Bidens out there, they're telling you that they're going to rob from the rich and give to the poor. No, that's not what they do. They rob from the poor, and they give to the rich, and it's long past time we wake up to this. And even if they aren't stealing from you directly, directly through taxation, there's the inflation tax. And I I talk about inflation all the time on this show, but even if you're not paying them tax dollars directly, they can still steal from you in in a far more detrimental way. They will steal the value of those dollars that you have through inflation. And they can take all of it. They can take all of it and then some. And there's nothing we can do from, to stop them from running the printing press. And they're going into hyperdrive with it. And if you think they're going to be around to provide you with these things, all of these guarantees, these things that they call guarantees, entitlements, things that you're entitled to, like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the pensions that I talked about on the last episode, these are all bankrupt. These are bankrupt Ponzi schemes, and you're being played for a fool. You cannot depend on them for your livelihood, or you'll find yourself like so many people have in the past, so many people in the black community who have been looking to government to make good on their promises for the last 80 years, and they're, they're, they're worse off than they were before they started. Every single time, by every single metric, there is just no teeth to this. Anyway, back to this interview. In true Joe Biden fashion, he couldn't get out of this interview without screwing it up completely. I mean, I don't know whether or not you considered the, you can listen for yourself, it was like 15 or 20 minutes long, something like that. It wasn't terrible until the very end where the the host like his uh handler Joe Biden's like assistant or something was trying to cut the the interview short saying that Joe Biden had to go and the the host was like well you know you should come back when you're in New York or something come visit us I have more questions for you and Joe Biden says well if you still have questions if you're still trying to figure out if you're for me or Trump then you're not a real black man or you're not really black something like that which it was clear to me that he was kidding. He was trying to make a joke and it was just, it didn't land. And, but that's what everybody's picking up now. Everybody's picking up and running with this. That's the only reason that I knew this interview was out there 
That's the only reason anybody was watching it was for the last 10 seconds where Joe Biden makes an ass of himself and everyone's like, oh, well, he's racist and all this stuff. I mean, if you really watch it, he thinks he's just like being clever, making this funny joke. I mean, Joe Biden is not clever. He's the opposite of clever. He thinks he's like this really cool, funny guy. And it just I don't think there were like truly racial uh, racist connotations to this. It was just Joe Biden being an idiot and thinking he's a lot funnier than he is. But that's uh, that, that's the only reason why this interview got picked up by anybody was because he completely blew it at the end and and now everyone's picked up the last 10 seconds of the of the interview and it's going around the twitters and the internet and everything else so i never thought that they would find a worse candidate than hillary clinton but they managed to do it i think in joe biden which is quite an accomplishment by the dnc bravo so while that's everybody else's big takeaway from this interview I see it as a far more uh, serious matter. A a far more serious matter is this idea that we can rely on these government officials to provide for us. And I have a bunch of, uh, I have a few articles in the stack today if you need further illustration as to why you should not buy into that mentality. And I have an article right here. Social Security will run out of money in 2029 because of COVID. Okay, now look. Um, Social Security has been out of money since the day it started, okay? This whole thing is an illusion. This has nothing to do with COVID, but they're going to frame it in a way that makes it seem like, oh, yeah, this was a, a solvent thing. This was this great idea where... We were, the government was going to take a portion of your paycheck every single time uh, you got paid, and they were going to put that money aside for you. They were going to put it in this lockbox, this Social Security Trust Fund, and you can you can get that money once you retire. This is how you're going to fund your retirement, and and people are depending on this. And nobody in the United States has any savings anymore. You you see these articles? People don't have five hundred dollars to if an emergency comes up or a thousand dollars. Or look what happened the second people couldn't work when we went under lockdown the first day. People were like, I'm screwed. I have nothing saved. I have nothing. I need more stuff from the government. But they don't have anything. And the Social Security Trust Fund certainly doesn't have anything. I've done an entire episode on this a while back. If you haven't gone through and listened to that, I suggest that you do. But basically the way this works and the way it has always worked was they take the money directly out of your paycheck and it goes into the general revenue fund. It does not go into a Social Security lockbox. And there is a reason for that. Um, I don't have time to get into it now, but it violated the general welfare clause. If they were to take money directly from one portion of the population and give it to another portion of the population, that was ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court when they were first trying to get this passed because it went against the general welfare. You know, one section of the population is benefiting at the expense of another. Now, we don't have anything near as honest an interpretation of the general welfare clause these days. So, um, But anyway, that's why it goes into the general revenue fund, and that money gets spent immediately on everything, on all of these failed government programs that have trapped people like um, the black community in cycles of poverty for generations. 
It, get, it goes right out the door. And what they do is they issue a, a bond or a treasury bill, and that goes into the Social Security Trust Fund. Now, if you think about what's actually happening here, the, that, that is, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. The government is essentially writing an IOU to itself, right? Because what happens when the government has a uh, treasury bill? Right, and the treasury bill comes due. Well, the government has to pay that money to who's ever holding the treasury bill. In this case, it's the Social Security Trust Fund. So, how do they pay that off? Well, they issue another treasury bill or a treasury bond, and then they get the money from the Federal Reserve, and they they pay off the maturing, um, the maturing bond with the bond that they just issued. That is a fucking Ponzi scheme. There is no appreciating invested asset whatsoever. They spent that money immediately, and they're trying to pretend like the the debt that they're holding, the obligation, which is the bond. The bond is the government's promise to pay the bondholder a, a dollar amount in the future, and they're treating that obligation as an asset on their books. So that's what this whole Social Security will run out of money in 2029 because of COVID. No, it's out of money. It's got nothing. It's got nothing but IOUs. It's like that suitcase in um, uh, Dumb and Dumber. Oh, oh, these are these are as good as money. These are IOUs. 175,000 Corvette. Better hold on to that one, right? That's what they've got in there. This is all a scam. And it's the worst form of a scam. They're, they're taking thousands of dollars from you every week. And the return on your investment, even if you were to be able to collect Social Security, which by the time people my age and younger get to retirement, forget about it. You're, you're not going to get your Social Security benefits, okay? This is one of those things that they promised you that they will not be able to deliver. There's just no goddamn way. I mean, because of COVID, because of the other demographics as well. People are having less babies. People aren't entering the workforce until they're like 30 now. Kids are going to college and, and going into debt to get worthless degrees all throughout their 20s. So nobody's people used to enter the workforce like 18, 20 and start paying into this uh, generational Ponzi scheme. But now they're not even doing that until they're 29, 30. Till they've gotten a bunch of worthless degrees and enter a job market where they can't get a job. And the return on the investment that they give you is terrible. If you were to just have that money to invest in, in really conservative investments, like nothing crazy, you don't have to go into the, the stock market casino or anything like that to get returns that would be better than the return you're getting on what they're taking from your, your paycheck for Social Security. And this whole thing is just, it's outrageous. Like the people that are collecting the benefits now, that like my parents, uh, people that are, were older than them, they were only paying in 1% for the vast majority of their career. It was 1% for them and 1% from their employer. Now, you and I are, are paying 7.5%, I believe, and 7.5% comes from your employer, which, by the way, is coming from you. If the employer didn't have to give that money from social, to Social Security, they would easily just as easily give it to you. It doesn't matter to them. 
where it goes. It's going out the door. So it's just built into the cost of employing you. So really you're paying 15% of everything that you earn into this uh, generational Ponzi scheme that you can never get out of. And uh, your, your parents only paid in 2%. Right. So, and, and they're getting, we're, we're going to be left holding the bag like every Ponzi scheme. Everybody, the, the last people in are, are the ones that get screwed. The, the first people make out like bandits. The first chick to ever collect a social security check, her, her name was Ida May Fuller, I believe. And she paid in something like $20 and took out thousands of dollars worth of benefits because she lived to be like 90. So she got like fucking $25,000 in benefits and paid in less than $100. Like this whole thing was bankrupt from the start. It, it was always a fucking Ponzi scheme. And this is everything that they work, everything that they operate, every, all these programs, Medicare, Medicaid, it's the exact same thing. That money's gone. These are bankrupt. You cannot depend on the government for your livelihood or you will get nothing and you will be trapped in poverty your entire life. Please, please stop looking to these politicians for, for anything. I, I mean, they're so incompetent. Even if it was you know, uh, feasible that a government could provide you. Like, let's say there was an alternative universe where the government didn't have to steal from people to give to others and that there was some way that they could actually provide. They can't, they're so incompetent on every single level. And the bigger they get, the, the more incompetent and wasteful they are. Here, here we go. Uh, 3M, the company 3M, Build the government $7.63 for 85-cent earplugs. And they now just received a $1 billion COVID-19 contract. The, the government, ha they don't care about how much things cost because it's not their money. They have nothing on the line. There's nothing to incentivize them to be more efficient. They're, they're, they have no, no profit in incentive. There, there's no pricing structure. There's nothing for them to go off of. So the, everything's wasteful. I mean, without the government, who's going to spend $8 for something that costs 85 cents and then give that company a billion-dollar contract? So the company was given this contract on April 15th for medical and surgical instruments, equipment, and supplies by the Federal Emergency Management Agency. The IDIQ contract, it's, it's called, that stands for indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity. And if I can just add indefinite price tag, because th this thing is going to be, anytime they earmark a billion, just quintuple it, minimum. It was awarded without taking competing bids from other vendors. Oh, yeah, who, who cares? A billion, that sounds, I mean, what's a billion at this point, right? It's also the largest federal contract 3M has been awarded among at least 47 others it has signed with various federal agencies to produce protective gear for the COVID-19 outbreak, such as medical gloves, gowns, and particular respiratory masks, which we now know. Remember when everybody was respiratory masks, respiratory equipment, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, uh... No, it turns out that that actually makes things worse in most cases, and, they, and they're not using them anymore. Uh, anyway, uh, the masks are critically needed for doctors, nurses, first responders, and essential workers. A FEMA official speaking on condition of not being identified 
said that the contract would cover the cost of procuring additional N95 respirator masks, some of which would be obtained under the Defense Production Act. Contracts awarded under the DPA have fewer requirements for public reporting. Oh, that's nice. We'll we'll find out even less of the corruption and uh, negligence going on. But the lack of transparency raises questions about whether U.S. taxpayers will be overcharged for the equipment as they were for the earplugs, said Mandy Smithberger, director of the Center for Defense Information. At the nonpartisan government watchdog group, the Project on Government Oversight, already we're talking about an inherently risk contracting vehicle, Smithberger said, referring to the open-ended IDIQ award. The risk of overcharges will increase when you don't have transparency for a company that has a track record of ripping off taxpayers. Yeah, of course. And this is, this is what's so infuriating about, infuriating about all of this. That this will get blamed on greedy capitalism or, or something like that. The problem here is that you have a government with uh, blank checks, carte blanche, to, to spend whatever it wants. Uh, of course, these companies are going to rip them off. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you charge them eight times what it costs to make if they're going to pay it? And they always will because they're stupid fucking bureaucrats. They're not looking out for you. They don't care about poor people. They don't care about you. If they did, they'd be getting a contract. They'd be getting a competing bids. They'd be trying to get the lowest cost item. But no, that's not what they're doing here. They're just throwing money at the wall and seeing what sticks. Okay, back to the article. The 3M contract is just one of more than 20,400 contracts for pandemic-related supplies or services that the U.S. government has signed since March 13th when the White House declared a national emergency due to the coronavirus. More than 6,000 of those contracts, worth a total of $8.5 billion, like the 3M contract, were awarded without seeking competing bids, according to the Federal Procurement Data System a government database that tracks all of federal spending. Can you, 20,400 contracts, uh, of what, a third of which, almost a third of which, they didn't even get uh, competing bids. Uh, okay, the, the, this is who you're depending on for your livelihood here. These idiots. They don't give a shit. They don't give a rip about you. Stop looking to government to give you stuff. They can't do it. All they can do is rip people off. 20,400 contracts for supplies? What are they doing? Stop it. Stop doing this. Let private companies get these supplies and provide them. Private hospitals. How about that? The total amount of the COVID-19 goods and services federal contracts tops $20 billion. That's billion with a B. The same amount that was spent over more than 10 years to rebuild the Gulf Coast after Hurricane Katrina. Jeff Cortese, who worked on the Katrina Fraud Task Force after the 2005 hurricane, said the government's decision to not seek competitive bids for the contracts is sometimes necessary for speed, but carries risk. (laughs) Okay. The tragedy was a magnet for legitimate and illegitimate businesses from around the country, Cortese said. In the Katrina response... As has happened with the pandemic, initial government contracts were quickly awarded and often without putting them out for competing bids in order to get aid flowing. You see, this is our big 
bumbling government at work. They can't possibly vet any of this stuff. And even if they could, there's no incentive for them to because it, it, none of it matters to them. This is just you know monopoly money. Who cares? But it's going to have a real effect on your bottom line. Government investigators estimate that at least $500 million and potentially as much as $1.4 billion in the Katrina federal spending was lost to fraud or waste. In schemes ranging from individual, individuals falsely claiming relief checks to contractors filing fake invoices to vendors overcharging the government, investigators faced a consistent lack of record-keeping, which made enforcement difficult. A lack of transparency makes the investigation incredibly difficult, Cortese said. 3M has been awarded at least $247 million in contracts to, reproduce, uh, to produce respiratory masks for FEMA, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, uh, U.S. Forest Service, the Department of Veterans Affairs, and other agencies. In addition, the firm was awarded two major contracts by the Department of Defense under the Defense Production Act for $76 million and $126 million, respectively, to produce millions more N95 masks. You know, maybe if we didn't have such a goddamn big, bumbling government with a million different agencies and, and hundreds of thousands of employees, no, millions of employees, actually, I think there's like 20 million people employed for the government now. Maybe we wouldn't need to be uh, wasting all this money uh, on masks for, for all of these government workers. And, th and they could have productive jobs and they could use their production to fund uh, their production in society to get them money to buy a mask for themselves. I mean, this is ridiculous. And of course, there's no oversight. It's too big. And the bigger it gets, the less oversight you're going to have. Remember, government is like a cancer. To the extent that we have it, you want it as small and as localized as possible. Or you get this. You get this mess on a massive scale. But this is not about capitalism. This isn't about greedy companies. This is about a, a, a government. A government that's too big and incompetent and will always be that way. They're unaccountable. These, these people are not accountable to anything. I mean, look at, they've got people just begging them for stuff. You think they're really accountable to you? Uh, Joe Biden, what are you going to do for us? They're, they're not accountable to you. You're going to vote for them because you're desperate and you're dependent on them and you've been taught to be dependent on them. But this is who you're depending on. People that pay $8 for something that costs less than a dollar. And they do that millions of times over and they waste hundreds of millions of dollars while stealing from you stealing from you and wasting more of that money. Where do you think all this Social Security money that they're out of? It went to 3M. There you go. They overpaid for some masks. Or here's another one. How about this one? Washington State loses hundreds of millions of dollars to Nigerian unemployment claim fraud scheme. Your wise overlords in Washington, these people that millions and millions of Americans are looking to for guidance for their livelihood, just fell victim to the fucking Nigerian prince email scheme, okay? This is, this is unbelievable. Just when you thought they couldn't get any dumber, they go and give hundreds of millions of dollars to not fake Nigerian princes claiming unemployment. I mean, Washington state officials admitted to losing hundreds of millions of dollars to an international fraud scheme originating out of Nigeria. 
that robbed the state's unemployment insurance system and could mean even longer delays for thousands of jobless workers still waiting for their legitimate benefits. As the Seattle Times reported, Susie Levine, commissioner of the state employment security department, disclosed that staggering losses during a news conference Thursday afternoon. Levine, or Levine, I'm going with Levine, declined to specify how much was stolen during the scam, which she said appears to be orchestrated out of Nigeria, but she conceded the amount was orders of magnitude above the $1.6 million that the ESD reported losing to fraudsters in April. So I was seeing all these articles about how the um, these unemployment numbers that have been coming out the last week or so, the last couple of weeks, were grossly overstated. Yeah. And, and people were trying to figure out, well, was it just like a, a technical error? Did they, was it a glitch? Did they screw something? Yeah, here, here's what it was. It was Nigerian princes pretending to be um, unemployment claim beneficiaries. Thursday's disclosure helped explain the unusual surge in the new jobless claims filed last week in Washington, which, as we showed this morning, was the state with the, the highest weekly increase in claims. So Washington, California, and New York, their claims shot up. On Wednesday, the state's uh, monthly employment report for April showed Washington with seasonally adjusted an unemployment rate of 15.4% up from 5.1% in March. The national unemployment rate rose uh, for April, stood at 14.7. So on a national scale, nothing changed. But in uh, Washington, it went up threefold. And, and that's because these Nigerian princes scammed your government out of hundreds of millions of dollars that was supposed to go to all of these uh, struggling, no doubt, black community workers the, uh, the essential workers, th those tend to be overwhelmingly people in the minority communities. I wonder why that is. Could it have anything to do with failed government programs to pull them out of poverty? But so these people are already disproportionately affected by this, thanks to the position that the government has put them in over the last 80 years. And now they have to wait even longer for those benefits that they were depending on because uh, they, they sent it off to those other uh, black people over in Nigeria. Oops. Oops. For the week ending in May 16th, the ESD received 138,733 initial claims for unemployment insurance, a 26.8% increase over the prior week, and one of the biggest weekly surges since the coronavirus began. That sharp increase came as the number of initial job jobless claims in the nation fell by 9.2% to 2.4 million. Indeed, the surge in claims made Washington the state with the highest percentage of its civilian labor force filing unemployment claims at 30.8%, according to the analyst by the Tax Foundation, a nonpartisan Washington, D.C. think tank. Nevada, the next second highest state, reported claims from 24.5%. And it now appears that many of those claims were fictitious and emanated from some computer in Nigeria. I mean, this is just hilarious if it wasn't so sad and infuriating. You're, you're, you're sending hundreds of millions of dollars off to Nigeria, and you can't fucking figure that out? The, the fact that your claims jumped almost 30% in a week when everything else is going down, and every, every other indicator is showing that, you know, the, the, the worst is past us. Like The claims have been on a, on a, a downward tra trajectory for the last couple of weeks. You get a, a massive increase, the biggest increase you've ever seen, 
And you don't even flag it or think it's a little suspicious. You just send some money off to Nigeria. Good God. And these are the people you want to depend on. It really is unbelievable that people still look to them to take care of them. I I mean, I, I don't know what more examples I can give you as to their incompetence and their indifference and their unwillingness to change. I mean, how many times does a politician like Joe Biden have to get up there and tell you of all the wonderful things they're going to do for you when nothing gets done ever, ever point to one success story, one government success story, please, somebody. I've, I ask this question all the time and I never get a response. Name one thing that the government has done right, that they've made uh, easier, better, faster, cheaper, more efficient. It doesn't exist. These programs are always disasters. And now that they're so big and we've allowed these government tentacles to permeate throughout the entire society, uh, every aspect of our daily lives is affected by this. And they've got their tentacles into all of these companies now. 3M, sure, but the the big tech firms, they're in bed with the government now. This is not a function of free markets. This is not a function of free market capitalism. This is fascism. That's what this is. This is like unadulterated, pure fascism where you get these incestuous relationships with a few big companies and the government and they screw over everybody. The government doesn't take over the means of production completely like they would with socialism or communism, but they, they control these companies through excessive regulation, excessive taxation, and it helps the few politically connected, the big companies at the expense of everyone else. Smaller companies don't have the political clout they do. They don't have the infrastructure in place to deal with all of the compliance and regulations that they come out with. That's why all of these companies are always in favor of additional regulation. And oh, by the way, they're the ones that the Washington bureaucrats call in they call upon to write the regulation for their industry. So they, they get to write the rules that they get to abide by and that will screw over their competitors. We, we see this time and time again when they had Zuckerberg up on uh, uh, Capitol Hill testifying. They asked him if he'd be willing to write some reg- help them write legislation. And you could actually see the smirk come across that fucking alien's face. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, oh, I, sure, I could do that for you. I could do that. Of course he could do that for you. He wants to do that. He wants to do that. And all of these big tech firms are now censoring people that run counter to the government narrative, that that question anything that comes out of our wise overlords in Washington, at the or World Health Organization, at the CDC, or anything like that. And with the, uh, the whole bullshit uh, Russia collusion investigation, this idea that Russia used Facebook to steal the election from Hillary Clinton and give it to Donald Trump, which has proved to be patently false. Well, now they've got they get to stick the screws to these companies. And, you know, to an extent, all of these big tech firms are all left leaning anyways. And there's no doubt that they want to silence conservative voices or alternative voices like mine. So they might have been uh, already very willing to do that. But now they're also getting pressure from Washington to do it. And, you know, Facebook 
Facebook won't let me run the ad for my show. Most of my podcasts, they won't let me run those. They won't let me boost those things. But the trailer that a lot of people, if you came over to this show, if you found out about this show from an advertisement on another podcast and they played that, that little two-minute trailer that I put together, yeah, Facebook won't let me run that as an ad. It violates their standards because I could influence the outcome of an election, they say. So I, that gets denied. I, I can't run that. And I, I'm sure I'm not alone on that front. But Joe Rogan, thank God, has had enough. Joe Rogan is going to war against Google and big tech. And he came out, I think, earlier, uh, was it late? It might have been late last week that Joe Rogan signed a contract with uh, uh, Spotify to produce his podcast exclusively on Spotify because Joe Rogan has had it up to his fucking eyeballs with their with YouTube's bullshit. YouTube would not let him put on uh, doctors. He wanted to have a bunch of doctors who have an alternative opinion that runs contrary to what this government narrative is about the coronavirus. He just wants to talk to them. And YouTube would not let him run those shows. So Joe Rogan... God bless him. I mean, it took him long enough. I mean, he should have done this. If you remember back when they, um, when every platform just simultaneously gave Alex Jones the boot overnight, they like all colluded. I mean, talk about uh, collusion. All of these companies colluded, which is supposed to be illegal according to the government's uh, antitrust laws. They all axed Jones within like the same couple of days. That was their trial balloon. You go after the really extremist guy that nobody could possibly defend being able to have a voice. Oh, no, we can't have him because of the he was talking some crazy nonsense about uh, the school shooting being a hoax or something like that. So uh, this was their trial balloon. They successfully removed him from all the platforms and they've been incrementally upping the the level of censorship i i can't tell you how many times i, I i've seen things get uh, censored on twitter or or facebook like really uh, meaningless like uh, harmless things uh, or even on on facebook more recently like this this post was flagged for misinformation i've been seeing a lot of that come around lately and it, it's getting very disturbing but uh joe rogan should have come out back then when Alex Jones got the axe and done this because he's got the FU money. He's got the, uh, the millions of, uh, millions of listeners on every show. I mean, I think his, so the last time Alex Jones appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast in 2019, it got over 17 million views on YouTube, but better late than never. So Joe Rogan signs this deal. It's worth a hundred million. And it was announced earlier this week. Analysts are saying that it will change the face of media forever. And I, I really hope he's right because uh, th this is a very complicated problem that libertarians have to come to come to grips with. I've done episodes on this woke capitalism and, and this censorship before, and, and there's not a, a clear, great solution to this. Google's been caught shadow banning his episodes. YouTube wouldn't play it if he's got, you know, they came out with that thing where if you, if, if you run counter to the World Health Organization, they're, they're not going to play your content. I mean, this is, this is like mind control. This is 
this is censorship on a level that well, we've never seen before. This is like modern day book burning. That's what this is. And they're, they're trying to silence alternative forms of media. And we need more free market solutions like, like what Joe Rogan's doing. I, I hope Spotify gives him the respect that he deserves. And if not, you know, more people need to follow suit. Uh, all, all you big podcasters out there with huge followings, I intend on being there one day. But, you know, me leaving YouTube or what, I'm not even on YouTube yet. <laughs> I still haven't figured out how to do the fucking video stuff. But, um, you know, me leaving a, a Google platform isn't going to do anything. We need these whales to lead the way and, and um, open up the eyes of some of these companies to, to know that they can't keep treating people like this. You cannot keep the truth away from the people for very long. It, it will come out. And we will, we will find ways of getting around this. One thing is for sure, you do not want to look to the government to solve these problems. And that, that's one of the, the most retarded things I was hearing coming from the alt-right. Like, like last year when Alex Jones was getting axed, and they, they want the government, like the FCC, to come in and, and make it illegal. They want to give the government more power to control who who gets to who gets to get put their message out on these platforms? I mean, talk about the fox guarding the hen house. Look out! And look, we don't have a right to. A lot of people think this is a First Amendment right. It's not. This is not a First Amendment issue that YouTube won't play Joe Rogan's videos. I don't have a right to use Facebook to run my ads. It's um, it's their platform. They can do with it what they want. But that doesn't mean that we have to take it sitting down. I, I can still complain about it into this microphone. We can boycott. We can find alternative media sources, alternative outlets. And it's going to take some time for to take these giants down. And now that they're in bed with the government and they have the backing of Congress and they get uh, Congress to write all this legislation to make it more difficult to start newer and freer and more open platforms... This could get really ugly really quickly, and we can't. We have to. We have to find a way to create distance between companies and government. When you get like this public-private marriage between companies and, and the government, it, it's the worst of, of both worlds. It, it brings out the the worst aspects of markets. Uh, the, the greed aspect, right? Because there's greed and there's fear. But once you're in bed with the government, they take away that fear. They limit your downside risk and the greed can get can get out of hand. And then you get the, the government power and control. It, it's, it's really something to be very concerned about. And I'm hoping more people like Joe Rogan can really turn this ship around before it's too late. So ma major props to him. Joe Rogan is a legend in the podcasting world, but he's a legend and he, he's a Renaissance man. He, he's done a, a, a lot of great things. TV, he's done broadcasting. He, he does the UFC fights. He's got the, the biggest podcast that over 190 million downloads a month last year. I mean, these numbers are astronomical and YouTube is going to feel this. And hopefully more people follow suit and in places like Spotify will offer a, a freer, more open environment. I mean, Joe Rogan's not even that radical. All he wants to do is have some doctors on to get their opinion, their medical opinion. And yeah, 
guess what? Dr. Fauci is not the be-all, end-all. Like Ron Paul, uh, Rand Paul said, uh, there's more than one way to look at this, and there's a lot of data that's running counter to this government narrative, and we can't allow these fucking corrupt big tech firms like Google and YouTube who are in bed with all of these pussy politicians to control that narrative, to control the information, the flow of free information. And we need to find some more free market solutions to this. It's not going to be an easy battle, but but it's one that I am more than willing to take up. But we gotta get we gotta get my numbers up. So I'm gonna wrap there, guys. But if you liked what you heard today, do me a favor. Give me a five-star rating and review on iTunes and share the show with somebody that you think needs to hear it. Let's really let's really get this the word out there about the Peddling Fiction Podcast. And if you want to go above and beyond the call of duty and become a supporting listener of the show, you can go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and do it from there. And if you can do all that for me, I will be back next week with a brand new episode for you. And we can start this fight all over again. Until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Fiction.